Coop, better than I deserve. Uh, I wish you and everybody else out there a very uh, sweet Passover. I think it's going to have special meaning for all of us uh, now. We got to count our blessings. And yes, we know what it's like to hope that a very evil spirit passes us by because that's what we're dealing with right now. But I am still better than I deserve. My brother, be well. Always great to see you. Uh, I'm Chris Wall. Welcome to Primetime. New York has once again reported its deadliest day. That's two days in a row of deadliest days. And yet again, this context of potential good news in that, not in death, but in what it suggests about flattening of the curve as reported by the governor of New York. So tonight we have that man. The governor of New York will join us. We'll talk to him about the realities with coronavirus in his own state. And while we have him, let's get his take on this new information about our president's planning. And what does it mean that Bernie Sanders is out of the race? What does it mean to this governor? that Bernie Sanders is out of the race, his personal political fortunes. It's worth asking, right? We're also hearing from the White House on where the next hot spots could be. That's an open question. Here's what we know right now. No matter where the virus goes, the way to stop it will always be the same. Our collective conscientious actions, staying home. Like I said, it is a special night, a sweet Passover, to my Jewish brothers and sisters, together as ever as one, as Mishpoka. Let's get after it. All right, here are the answers to the where's next. Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. We understand that the White House task force is monitoring those two uh, major metropolitan areas closely. Why? Because they are major metropolitan areas. Uh, that means that you can have travel hubs and density. And when you have that, this virus will spread if people aren't maniacal in their commitment to keep it from happening. The equation has gotten as simple to understand as that. What happens when you don't do it? Look at New York. 779 more precious lives lost in just the last 24 hours. What is the reality of what these numbers mean for New York? Today, beyond, there's lots to cover with the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. I wish you a blessed Pesach, governor. Happy Passover to you, brother. Next year in Jerusalem, right? That's right. That's that is the hope. Uh, and certainly it's going to really resound with people differently uh, this year. A lot of people are doing Zoom seders because they can't be in close contact. Uh, what is your message? You know, you when you and I say our Jewish brothers and sisters, we mean it. You know, we have uh, Jews in our family. We have Jews in our blood, uh, in our nieces. What is the message to the faithful this year about what Passover means? Uh, well, I think it is uh, the message of Passover resonates totally, right? The first part is uh, to learn the lessons from the past, to pass them on to a new generation, to make sure we remember what we learned. And then the second part of the message is a message of hope. It can be better. It will be better next year. I have to tell you, so many people, uh, everyone I talk to, whether they like me, dislike me, they're all concerned about you and they all send you best wishes. Uh, and they're all, they all respect uh, the guts that you've shown here, uh, televising as you're going through this and getting the message out. And that's, that's universal. So uh, we're all proud of you. Good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that it's helping people uh, make them feel that this isn't a boogeyman uh, that they can't beat. Uh, and the little tips that I'm learning, if it helps somebody, then it was all worth it. There's got to be a purpose to the pain. Uh, let me ask you something about purpose to pain. 
It is hard for people to get, Andrew, that seeing a lot of people die can mean something better is coming. How do you sell that message? Yeah, you don't. It's hard for me. Uh, it's hard for me to hear it. Uh, I said I do these daily press briefings to give, go through the facts because I think more than anything, people want information. They don't want political spin. They don't want a lot of garbage. They just want the facts. So I do these briefings that give people the facts. Uh, I had trouble today, I'll tell you the truth, Chris, because talk about mixed emotions, uh, good news, bad news, uh, good news, the curve is flattening if, if we uh, are still conscientious because we are flattening the curve. That's the good news. We can flatten the curve. Bad news, record number of deaths, 779. We're up to 6,268 deaths, Chris. The 9-11 uh, was 2,700 deaths, just to give you an idea of where we are. So, yeah, you have this theoretical good news, uh, that uh, flattening of the curve, and the worst news that you could possibly have with the record number of deaths. You know, how do you hold both of those emotions at the same time? Uh, so look, it's an emotional time. It's a stressful time for everyone. Uh, it's not going to get better anytime soon. That's the truth, the plain truth. Uh, and it depends on what we do. It is our actions that is flattening the curve. Why were all those projections wrong? Because our actions have been better than the statisticians uh, believed. So we can flatten the curve. We are flattening the curve. We have to maintain it. But the human cost here, the human toll, the suffering uh, the, is just incredible. It's just incredible. And look, people know it's not going to end uh, anytime soon. That's why, you know, I tell you, I think you're right to play it straight with them. I, I think it's better to give people uh, the straight information. Now, media coverage uh, is going to look and see how we got here. Uh, you and the mayor uh, have been cited in New York uh, for catching on slowly here. Uh, and that is something that they don't just talk about you guys, but that you are part of the mix of politicians who waited too long. With the benefit of hindsight, do you agree with that criticism? Look, uh, in these situations, Chris, they're going to criticize you whichever way you go, right? Uh, I've been through too many emergencies, too many disasters. Uh, if you take a lot of action uh, and then the storm doesn't come, they say you uh, were overcautious, overpreventive. So they'll, they'll, uh, they'll second guess any decision. That's what the quote unquote, some of you guys in the media like to do, right? First thing I say to you is look in a mirror before you open your mouth, right? So before you want to talk about what others did, what did you do and when did you do it? Uh, second, you're not going to be able to find a state in the United States of America that moved faster than New York State. We had our first case. Fifteen days later, I closed the schools. Nobody had called for that. Nineteen days later, I closed down the state. When you close down New York, Chris, you're, you're closing down uh, one of uh, the economic engines on this globe. And no state did that faster than we did it. As a matter of fact, I took a lot of heat for moving as fast as I did. Uh, now they want to say, oh, Governor, maybe you did too many, uh, you were too prepared. Uh, maybe you didn't need to do everything you did. You know, they're going to do that game all day long. Uh, but look, uh, I react to numbers and data and science. 
We are looking at projections and models by experts who analyze this data. And I follow the data, right? This is not about what I think politically or what I think because I think really I'm a doctor. I just follow the data, and that's what we did. I'm just smiling because in the control room they just said, you have like three minutes left. And I was like, my brother takes five minutes to say hello. You think I'm going to be done with this interview in three minutes? Who's got the fever? (laughs) Who's got the fever tonight? The control room's got the fever. Um, Just so you know, on the side, I will... Who Who controls the shoes? The, you well, or the listen, control here, room controls the Here's show. what I'll tell you. In yeah, three I'm minutes, we're not going to be done. Yeah. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> if anybody's sitting back enjoying family right. right now, kick well, back. I, we're not going anywhere. Um, but let me ask you this. Yeah. I um, have a Zoom well, Seder that I have to get to. I'm, I'm sure we all do, right? Well, actually, I didn't get invited to any. No surprise. Um, I will uh, buy you lunch dressed for, it. Uh, for every time that you can show me one piece that showed you were too prepared for the pandemic, okay? Any piece you can show me that says- A dime? Cuomo, you were, you were too prepared for this pandemic. You did too much, oh, too soon. How, I don't think what you'll is find the wager? any piece like that. What is that. the wager? Whatever you want. What is the that wager? That you were too prepared, you did too oh, much, really? too fast. Yes. That compared to the projections, that the actuality never came I'll give to you any the projections that we were following. Well, good. Okay. Look, that's okay. a separate Bring question money. that I hope you're right Bring about. Money. I think you got to prepare more than the actual numbers. You're right about that all day. Uh, this is the segue point. Um, the president says, here's how you lead well. I'm not going to tell you these bad what ifs. I'm a cheerleader, baby. I'm a leader for this country. Why aren't you more like the president that way? Instead of telling people it could be this, it could be that. Yeah, you could be wrong. Just avoid it all. Don't fill their heads with these ugly potentials. Uh, Look, this is not, there's a time and place for everything, right? Uh, Mm. And uh, there's going to be a discussion about uh, who did what when, who should have done what uh, when, where were were the uh, whistleblowers, where was the people who were supposed to be blowing the bugle on this global pandemic, which, by the way, started in like November, December in China, right? Mm. And there'll be a discussion, why didn't anyone blow a bugle? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, you know, state and local governments, we're not in charge of global pandemics, right? That's not in our job description. Where were the World Health Organizations, et cetera? Where were the media? Uh, Where are all those great scientific minds being interviewed? So uh, anyway, they'll do that. Uh, Is the the president is cheerleader? Look, I'm an advocate for my state. I'm a cheerleader for my state also. Maybe not a cheerleader, but I'm a promoter of my state. Uh, but in a situation like this, I think it's about, it's about the facts, right? Sometimes it's just about the facts and doing what you have to do for the facts. I don't think there's a positive spin or a negative spin on facts. And that's mm. what we followed in this situation. Um, I, I don't mm. disagree that following the facts is the right thing, especially the more serious the situation is. You've got to trust the people to do the right thing with the information. Uh, I just don't see how it gives real optimism to give them hollow hope. Um, now, you know, I've seen you referred to a little bit recently as the love gov, and I'm wondering if that's bleeding into your demeanor at all, making you a little soft on the president, um, that you don't want to really criticize him because you need him. And now's not a time for fighting. But don't you have to balance that with calling him out uh, if he's doing things that you don't think are great for the people of your state to be hearing and experiencing? Love gov. I'm, I've always I've always been a soft guy. I am the love gov. I'm a cool dude in loose mood. You know that. 
I just say, let it go. Just go with the flow, baby. You know, you can't control anything. You've never so said any of those try. things. Water off a duck's so back. the first time you've That's said me. any no, of those. Yeah, I think I, really? Yeah, well. Wow. Never said any of them. Uh, look, I have. I've known you my yeah, whole life. All right. Well, that's your opinion. Yeah. Well, you should <laughs> listen better. Listening works. Not always talking. What? Uh, what was the question? Oh, I remember the question. Uh, You're soft look, on the I am line. in a situation. Yeah. Well, that's your characterization, first of all, right? So you don't state it as a question because you have a characterization in there that is a premise. I am working with the okay. president cooperatively. It's very important that the federal government and state government work together during this time. I have to do my best mm -hmm. job for the people of this state. You cannot say, look, I've been the governor in this country who's the, been the most critical of the president up until now. And by the way, there's no governor that he's been more critical of than me. So nobody's going to say I've gone too soft on the president. We're working together to help the state. That's what's important now. No politics, no personality, no ego, no ego. It's not about you. Uh, it's not about me. It's about we and getting through this. And that's my singular focus. There'll be a day and a time for everything. Uh, but this is not the time and place. Gabish. Um, yes, Gabish. Capisco. The uh, Bernie Sanders is out. <laughs> the word is that this increases yeah. the chances with Senator Sanders out that you may get it in the, in the race for president. Is that true? Is that the word? Well, then it must be true. That's the word, the word on the street. Right. You, is that, oh, oh, the word is that yes? I'm sorry, I didn't hear an answer. Was it responsive? You're not responsive. I'm just saying, if that's the word, who am I to argue with the word, right? right? So uh, then you, yeah. the senator that's leaving the race what? has changed your thinking. Is that what you're saying, Governor? The, has the senators leaving the race changed my thinking? In what way? Are you now giving different consideration to running for president? No. So you but are still a good question. not thinking. But why? Well, it's definitely a good question. Uh, well, I am thinking. That... I'm a thinking being. I'm thinking about a lot of yes. things. I bet. Yeah. Uh, is it? Are you not thinking about running for president because now there is more political momentum around the idea of you accepting a vice presidential bid from Joe Biden? Is that something that you're considering? First of all, I'm glad to see you're feeling better. I can tell you're feeling better because uh, your, your animation and yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. uh, Answer whenever you like. Joe Biden is Joe Biden is a personal friend of mine. I've worked with him. He's been a great friend to this state. I support him. Uh, I have for years and he's going to be, I believe, an excellent Democratic candidate and a leader. Uh, second, I have said repeatedly my plans, when I said I wanted to run for governor, I said to the people of my state, I will serve as your governor. People ask me, well, will you run for president? I said, no, I'm not that guy, Chris. I'm not that politician who says, yeah, I want to, it's all about me and the next step on the ladder. Even if your party That's turns jumping people up and off. down, I'm going to be true to my convention. word. And they, they call can, you and say, we need yeah, they to can love jump gov. up and down. Yeah, LoveGov says, no way. I gave my word, and my word is good. I'm not your typical guy. Don't laugh. You're going to pay, Chris. One day you're going to be better. Uh, and then we'll have a discussion. But in the meantime, I just I'm want to ask running. the question. So for right now, it's I'm a no. not going to you're be vice president. Or VP. Yeah. VP either. No VP, no P. What does VP stand for? 
<laughs> very vice president, something? sir. Principled? Oh, vice no, yeah, not if that's what it stands for, yes. So right. neither one, all right, good. Okay. Now, there's an important campaign you're pushing for people right now called um, uh, Stay Home, and who are you staying home for? Uh, it's a good idea. It's a good way to connect the personal commitment of what they're doing. Uh, my decision is, and as I posted today very early before anybody else uh, responded to the call that you put out, uh, I'm staying home for my mother. Uh, because I love her and at her age, she's uniquely vulnerable to the virus. And that's why making the move uh, out of the house that Christina and I made was 100% our own and we did it early. Who are you staying home for? Because I'm staying home for my mom. Uh, Yeah, the whole campaign is dedicated to my mother. Uh, And I said that first thing this morning when I posted my picture. Stay at home, who are you staying at home for? Yeah, right. my mother, my mother, my mother, I'm staying home for oh, my mother. Oh, you're staying at home for your mom, too. Isn't it weird, though, after I just said it? No, I went first. I had my picture at my really? press conference saying I'm doing it for my mother. And yes, because it's a point that I want people to understand. If Look, you don't want to stay here, home for yourself, mom right now. then, yeah, well, I had my picture this morning uh, while you were still sleeping. And I showed it at my press conference. And uh, people have to understand, you want to be reckless with your own life, uh, don't endanger others. And that's what the Stay at Home For campaign is all about. Don't endanger healthcare workers, don't engage in uh, endanger vulnerable people. I love it. And And she was my mother first, by the way. um, That is true. Uh, That when you win, that point, 100%. You were born first. Thank you. Um, and the healthcare workers are begging us to do this for them. And I love the idea of the campaign. So I'm shifting my answer. You can have it. You can have mom. Um, because that's, you know, what the bigger person does. I'm going to stay at home for these two guys. Here's my new choice. I'm staying home for these guys. Put up the picture. That's what I'm queuing right now. Put up the picture. Yes. I'm staying home for these two guys in the front. You know why? Can you see the picture? All right. No, I can't see it. Can you see you can see I it. I can't see it. So I'm staying, I'm no, staying I can't home see for it. these two guys. No, you can see it. I can't see it. Um, yeah, so I there's can't you see it. in one of your signature Huckapoo shirt. No, no, no. Don't you do yeah. it. Put the microphone yes. back on. Don't be like that. And don't no. hold it in your hand no. because the hand swallows up the Take whole microphone. That picture I can't down. get any sound out of it. Take Put it back up. the picture down. <laughs> Put it back up. There he is. And here's why I'm doing it for these guys. Because this is the guy who helped me shape who I am today. Look how I was looking at him so lovingly back then. I know it looks like I'm just staring at his (laughs) diamond-crusted belt buckle. But I'm not. I'm actually staring up at the the young man who made me so proud as his brother back then in my Billy the Kids and now. Uh, And just if you want to tell people, Huckapoo was your signature look back then. You've abandoned it. Why? Huckapoo. There are no words. There are no words. So that was not me. Straight down the middle. Straight down the middle. Straight down the middle. Three minutes <laughs> is up. Three minutes <laughs> is up. Governor, it is good to remind people yes, sir. Uh, that they are just coming to love you now as much as I have uh, my whole life. And it's because of your commitment to what you do for other people. It's what matters most to me about you. Yeah. And I love you very much. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for keeping my spirits up. And thank you for what you're doing for the state. 
Oh, I'd like to say it was my pleasure, but it wasn't. Why? Come on. <laughs> so, so we'll talk I, later. So Have a good show. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good show. I, I thought this was a fruitful Bye. conversation. Governor, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye. That is the governor of New York. Uh, several uh, headlines there that as hard as it is to see the realities of us losing lives in this, um, what you have to do is believe that if we keep doing what we're doing, there'll be less pain. And that's why he started the campaign of staying at home for. And as he said, he's staying at home for our mother. Uh, and the rest of us should be staying at home for our mothers and the people that we love. And to keep us farther apart will ultimately bring us closer together in this cause. All right, now the president um, keeps offering up different remedies now that he wants people to know about as what should be out there? What do you have to lose? Let's answer that question next. So uh, the president pushed this drug called chloroquine. All right. Now the American Heart Association and other cardiology groups are saying, be careful. COVID patients could face potentially serious, those are their words, heart problems if treated with it. Now, the president had been cautioned about making these kinds of recommendations. Nevertheless, here's what he said today. But they say zinc. I want to throw that out there because that's where they seem to be having the best uh, result. So you add the zinc and the zithromycin. And uh, it's been, uh, we've had a lot of good stories. Dr. Sanjay Gupta joins us now. Uh, doctor, how come you don't share the president's confidence when you're a doctor? You must know um, what he obviously is so confident in being a doctor, that chloroquine and, and um, uh, azithromycin or what people know as a ZPAC, there are a lot of good anecdotal stories about people getting better from it. And now he's saying throw zinc in the mix. I've heard a lot of good stories from people about how they think zinc helped them. What's wrong? Well, look, I, I think that like everybody on the planet, Chris, uh, we, we want to see some sort of therapy work. But it's, but it's got to be proven to work. Chris, and I think this, these notes from the American Heart Association, the Cardiology Association, and then this Heart Rhythm Association, they, they all you know, were part of this letter that was sent voicing their concern. A small study, all these studies are small, by the way, Chris, right now, because we're early days with regard to this stuff. So we can't read into st studies that show benefit, and you can't really uh, show too much of these studies that show the side effects. But they raise this concern that this uh, particular medication could cause a heart rhythm abnormality. So in people who, who don't have a heart rhythm abnormality, it might cause one. In people who already have one, it might worsen it. Now, we don't know how significant that is. I think the study was of some 80 people, and about 11% or so, eight or nine of, of them, uh, developed this problem. It wasn't necessarily a lethal problem, but it could be a, a potentially you know, a significant problem for these patients. That's why you do the studies, Chris. Uh, I, I, I don't think it has anything to do, frankly, with me being a doctor or not being a doctor. We don't know. I, I, I'm not divinely given this information because I'm a doctor. I'd have to look at the studies just like anybody else would have to look at the studies. Right now, now that data doesn't exist. Uh, so when, when these, these associations are throwing out caution, they're basically relying on a, on, a, on a tenet that we all sort of think about, which is you don't want to do any harm. We don't know if this works. There is a potential for harm here. Maybe it's a small potential, but there is a potential there. And wouldn't that be a, a, a real tragedy for somebody who did not get any benefit from the medication and yet had some kind of harm happen to them? 
that's why you do the studies. They're happening. Hopefully about, we'll get results quickly. You're, you and your brother were just talking about it. Well, look, I mean, you know, research only happens as quickly as it happens, but people are desperate right now. Um, and all right, so fine. The heavy drugs we'll put to the side for a second. Zinc and all these different vitamin cocktails we're hearing about uh, that, again, anecdotally, you hear good things coming out from people and different people on the front lines. The president then says, hey, I hear good things about zinc. I want to put it out there. Yeah, there's there's not, uh, you know, with some of these uh, supplements and things like that, I think the side effect profile is is not concerning. But uh, if people are saying are asking, does it work? Because I think that's fundamentally what people are asking. Um, we don't know. You know, you have to trial these things as well, as simple, uh, the therapeutic as they may be. Also, you know, some of these supplements that people buy sometimes, and not necessarily picking on zinc, but sometimes people buy supplements, they don't always know what they're getting. It's a largely unregulated industry. So if you have a deficiency in something, if you're deficient in a particular vitamin, vitamin D, then yes, a supplement may make sense. But if you're not, I don't think there's any proof that it's necessarily going to improve your, your course. Uh, you have to study that just like anything else. Again. I think, especially when I look at you, Chris, I think, uh, you know, and I have people who, who have this infection, I think, of course, you're, you're wanting something to be proven to work. I get that. I mean, I'm sure you think about that all the time. Speaking of which, how, how, how are you? Do I know you're not trying any of those things, but, but how are you doing? How, how, nights have been worse for you, I know, in the past. Is that still the case? Nights have been worse. Uh, today, I am oddly spacey, and I don't know why, because guess what? Uh, on the night of Passover, uh, I got good news uh, that I think the worst of this is over for me. I know I just jinxed myself by saying that, um, but mm. Christina and I had smiles on our faces today. My fever has been unusually low most of the day. Uh, ordinarily at this time, Doc, I am not faking that I'm baking. You know what I mean? It is, it is hot in here <laughs> at this time of night. And right now I'm still right. just a little bit above normal. So that's great news. I am really spacey and I've been talking to my doctor before uh, this about why that is, what that could mean. Um, I did not use the chloroquine. Why? Because in investigating it for somebody with my particular health profile, what does that mean? Well, there's certain drugs um, that it can interact with that I'm on. So I had to be careful about that. Also, it seems to be that with my symptomology um, that I am immunosuppressed and I therefore need things to boost my immune system. The way, as you and others explained the drug to me, uh, that chloroquine works is that it actually suppresses immune systems to reduce inflammation, which can work very well with malaria and lupus, um, but uh, that's not what I need. I need my immune system boosted, not artificially depressed to help with inflammation. So it doesn't work for me, so I didn't think about trying it. Uh, the other things I have been doing right now seem to be working well. I know I have a long way to go, um, but I have not felt as good as I do right now in a long time. And I only think it's a little bit, a little bit because I just slapped Andrew around like a naughty child for 15 minutes. It was like I had like a fact paddle in my hand. Bing, bing. So it's a little bit that, but it's also because I'm getting healthier. That, that, that's your therapy, apparently, beating up on your big brother. Oof. That was too easy, <laughs> too easy. Um, so I'm, so hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're better, feeling you better. You see, and just, just uh, you know, because I got to ask these questions. You and I talk on the phone all the time. But again, none of the tightness in the chest and, and, and those sorts of things. I know you got a chest X-ray. My chest uh, is like tight. That, but you're, you're, all that. My breath is short. 
It hurts in the morning. I feel like I'm going to bring up a lot more than I do. I'm doing these breathing exercises uh, that we've posted online. This beautiful doctor um, put them online. He learned them from a respiratory uh, therapist. And he shows it's the uh, two sets of five uh, breathe and hold for five seconds. You know, you're taking a breath. Five seconds, breathe out, do that five times. On the sixth one, you give yourself a big cough. You do two cycles of that. You get onto your stomach, arch your back a little bit. Uh, most of your lung tissue is on your back. Uh, and do those breathing exercises again. They're painful. They're unpleasant. They make me cough a lot. They make me short of breath. Um, but I'm told that they're helping. And I feel like they're helping. So I'm doing them five times a day. I'm, gl I'm gl gl glad to hear it, Chris. I mean, you know, again, I, I, I talk to you and I know you have these ups and downs and, and I hope that this is a trajectory that just continues to improve. That's probably the best news I think I've heard from you in some time, but keep an eye on it, you know? I mean, as, as with the country where we don't want to get complacent, uh, it's easy to get complacent because people see these numbers and they think, well, the models don't look so bad. And I, I hope that the models uh, continue to improve, in fact. But part of the reason they're improving is because we haven't gotten complacent as a country. Uh, most places have done a pretty good job. I hope you don't do the same. Uh, I hope you don't get complacent as an individual, too. I know it's hard. You're, you're a workaholic. And, um, and, I'll uh, take, I'll I take appreciate the good news you. where I find it, but, but take, I know it's it going to be a long, yeah. I know it's going to be a long road. I know the fever can come back. I know this virus does that. I know people crash after up periods uh, and you got to balance what you need for your emotional health in terms of how much optimism you take uh, right. versus just trusting duration. Because even once I'm fever free for 72 hours without Tylenol, which by the way, I have not been for more than four hours. OK, like I'm on Tylenol steady, so I'm nowhere near where I would need to be to even consider myself fever free. Then I'd have to quarantine for a couple of weeks anyway. So I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And I know that. But today is a good day. Well, we, right, we'll, we'll know where to find you. You do, you do bring up a good point, though, just for people who ask about this at home. I get a lot of questions about this, about you, Chris. Uh, you're 72 hours without a fever without any medications to bring the fever down, at least seven days since uh, you, you developed your symptoms. Those are the sorts of things that you start looking for to possibly get yourself out of the basement. And I know it's gonna be a little while, but we'll be here with you, bud. And I still think it's crazy that they don't retest people, especially healthcare workers, before allowing them to go back to work. We've gotta get better with our data information and what we prioritize. Otherwise, we'll keep making the same stupid mistakes. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, you are a blessing. Thank you for being in my life. We'll check in again soon. You got it. All right. All right, so you heard from my big brother a little while ago. You just heard from another one of my big brothers from another mother. Uh, governors taking action across the country are not defined by political party in this. You're seeing leaders rise. It's not about left and right. It's who's most reasonable in the situation. Example, Ohio Republican Mike DeWine, all right? He is a governor who showed key, smart, early leadership, okay? He is wearing a mask. Uh, he plans to wear a mask in public because he says the message about it is no joke. But there's a lot more going on in his state that is flattening the curve. What did he do? When did he do it? And what's next? The governor, up right after this. Ohio's governor was one of the first to issue a stay-at-home order. 
And he says it's too early to lift it, despite promising projections. That is not an easy message to give an uneasy population. Governor Mike DeWine joins us now on primetime. And Governor, I want to say thank you for giving the people of Ohio that message. I know it's unpopular, but that's what makes you popular as a leader. Well, thanks, Chris. First of all, I want to say I'm glad you're doing better. But how in the world am I supposed to follow this act between you and your brother? I mean, seriously, that was one of the <laughs> best things I've seen on TV in a long time. Governor, just answer the and questions as asked. So we're not going to have a problem. OK, we're not going to we're not yes, going to have a problem. I got it. I got it. <laughs> no, listen, uh, thank you for the nice words. He sends his regards as well. Um, now, to help people understand, uh, I know that it's easy to criticize you guys after the fact for what you do. And yes, you had the benefit of watching some of the bigger populations deal with it earlier. Um, but when people get sensitive, everybody should have done things sooner. You did things sooner in Ohio, uh, even on the election side. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But what can you tell people about when it was clear to make a call and how tricky it is to make the right call in real time in a situation like this? Well, first of all, I have a great health director in Dr. Amy Acton, and she had been advising me for some time and following what was going on uh, in China. And we, she really tied me in with a lot of good people to talk to. We put together a group of doctors from Ohio, about 14 doctors. But the, the first big decision we had to make uh, was in regard to what's called the Arnold Classic. And it's a big event in, mm -hmm. in Columbus. Uh, Arnold comes in and it's a big sporting event, but it's also like a trade show. 60,000 spectators coming in. And we had to decide were we going to let that go on. And it was a tough decision because no one had really at that point shut anything down, I don't think, uh, to speak of in the United States. But we looked at it, studied it, 60,000 people from up to 80 countries coming in in a relatively small area for four days just made absolutely no sense, according to the scientists and, and medical community. And so uh, I had a great partner uh, in, in, in the mayor, uh, Andy Ginther, and uh, he and I made those decisions. and. And we said, no, we will allow the event to go on, but we're not going to allow any spectators. That, that was tough because it, you know, it disappointed an awful lot of people. And it was a big economic uh, impact for the, for the city of Columbus. And people could see the economic impact. They couldn't see the pandemic impact uh, at that time. Uh, now that they saw the numbers that came after that, now you have a flattening of the curve. It becomes about persistence and selling people on staying the course. Now, one of the ways you did that was staying even in your approach. So with the election, you were like, listen, I've got to change um, the election. And the president disagrees with that move. The Supreme Court just agreed with him in the state case of Wisconsin. I know there was a discrete issue there about expanding the date for absentee ballots specifically. Um, but why do you ascribe to the school of thought that moving an election is not undoing an election? Well, we look at it as continuing the election, which is really what we, what we did. Uh, we, our plan originally was to push the election back. Uh, have an actual in-place voting. Uh, that's not eventually what the legislature did. Uh, but we still, people still have plenty of time to vote. But I, I made this decision, and again, that is not an easy decision to make. But I made the decision for, for a couple of reasons. One, 35,000 uh, poll workers, uh, many of them, right. uh, I don't know, 
where, where you vote, but where I vote, if people have been there for a long time and they do it, so the people who are, are at very high risk uh, for 13 hours in Ohio being at, at the polls. The other thing, it was clear to me that weekend uh, that there were people in Ohio who were really reassessing it. And they had the opportunity before to vote absentee. They hadn't done it because they never do it. You know, certain people always want to go vote in person. But that Sunday right. or Monday, it was just stri- starting to strike people. Hey, this is dangerous. And I remember oh, yeah. I talked to a 70-year-old, 70, late 70-year-old couple. And they said, look, we just decided, we talked together. We decided we're not going to vote. It, it's we always vote, but we're not going to take the chance. So it was clear to me, we were asking people, you know, we were messaging, you should vote. And we were messaging, you should stay home. And it finally struck me, that mm. just doesn't make any sense. And that's not fair. So and the, we're putting people at risk. The president says that, uh, you know, the number one Republican in the country says, um, here's your mistake, is that you forgot that people cheat uh, with mail-in ballots and that mail-in voting uh, is rife with fraud. It happens all the time, he says, and that's why you can't risk it. Mail-in voting is a bad thing and you allowed it and now you're going to have to pay for that. Why do you disagree? Well, I don't think he was talking about Ohio, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't no, know what no, goes no. on. He was, he's, I can't he's speak, never mentioned you know, Ohio yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah, he's been talking yeah. about mail-in voting as a concept that you embraced. Well, it's something we've done in Ohio for a long time. And we have a very uh, liberal voting in the sense that it, it, it we have voting for four weeks and we do it every election. And, and we let we have early voting. We let people go in actually to the Board of Elections and and vote. We let them go in the Sunday before the election. But for 28 days, they have a right to go in and they also can do absentee ballots. So we're used to doing right. that. Frank LaRose, who's our secretary of state, you know, I have great confidence in him. Uh, my lieutenant governor was the previous secretary of state, John Houston. And, uh, you know, they know how to run elections. And we've had a lot of experience in this. So we didn't really worry about, uh, you know, any, any kind of fraud as, as far as that was concerned. Well, I certainly haven't seen it in the case law, uh, looking in terms of the presidential value of fraud as a fixture within your election. There's not a lot of case data there uh, to support the concern. Governor Mike DeWine, um, you are creating a record, though, of accomplishment on this pandemic. I hope your state stays the course. I hope the numbers continue to go down. And I wish you a very good future. Good luck to you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Governor, Governor, thank you. God bless your family. All right. Now, most people who get the virus, uh, you would do anything to escape it again. Okay, our heroes on the front lines are not most people. I want you to meet a doctor who works at an epicenter within an epicenter of this outbreak. He just recovered and is putting his life back on the line. And he knows why. What does it tell us about him? Let's learn together next. You know that hospitals are filling up. You know that doctors and nurses are getting sick themselves. But what happens uh, once they recover? If, God willing, they recover, then what? That's the perspective I want to give you now. Dr. Omar is joining us now, Omar Mania. He is one of our frontline heroes. He knows the pains of coronavirus firsthand. He had it himself, he recovered, 
and he is back treating patients at New York's, one of its hardest hit hospitals in Elmhurst, Queens. Welcome, doctor, to primetime. Thank you, Chris, for having me. And uh, I'm, I'm really rooting for you to get better. I'm cautiously optimistic for you. Well, thank you, Doc. And I draw uh, confidence uh, from your own successful um, recovery to this. And I want to ask you, uh, the decision to go back into the hospital, did you have hesitation? To be honest, not really. You know, we became emergency physicians and, and everyone working on the front lines. We love the opportunity to to change the course of people's lives when they need it most. And so it was never a question for me or any of my colleagues who've gotten sick. You know, we want to get back. In fact, many of us, myself included, honestly felt a little guilty when we were quarantining at home because our colleagues are working their tails off and, uh, and we're sitting on the couch appropriately nursing ourselves back to health. But you know, there's, there's just so much need out there and there's such a shortage of uh, supplies and people and the workforce that, you know, we're excited. I was excited to get back on the front lines. What if you're not immune? That is, uh, that's a scary question to think about. You know, I'm still taking all of the same precautions. I'm wearing all my PPE, uh, taking off my clothes, showering when I get home, um, I'm hoping that the immunity works out. I'm scheduled to get an antibody test later this week, but you know, just fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. You have prayers uh, from so many you can't even imagine uh, just seeing you and realizing what you're doing for the rest of us. Um, and tell us what you were seeing, uh, that this is a kind of sick that even you have just never experienced um, in terms of the flow in the hospital. What are you seeing? Chris, to be honest with you, it is wild. You know, we feel like we're playing whack-a-mole with sick patients. There's a decompensating patient over here. You you work with them, you fix them, and then all of a sudden two others pop up, and it's this never-ending, never-ending tide. I want to give credit, though, to the, the heroism that I've seen from my colleagues and all the volunteers, the retired doctors who've come out. You know, it's just so heartwarming to see so many people come together at this moment. But, you know, one of the things this virus does that I don't think is talked about enough is it really interferes with your body's ability to absorb oxygen. And so normally a normal healthy person should be living at 96% to 100%. And maybe once in a while in the emergency department, I'll see the odd patient who has a 70% or an 80%. But every single day, I'm seeing patients in the 30s, the 40s, 50%. Wow. I even had had a patient go down to 0%. I didn't even know the monitor could read that low. And so that's that's really scaring me. And, and, And the real sad part about this disease is patients are dying alone because appropriately so, the hospitals are preventing visitors. And, and that's what we need to control the virus. But you know, not having your loved one hold your hand uh, in your last few minutes is has got to be one of the most painful, painful experiences. So some of us have started uh, FaceTiming families so they can whisper a prayer in, in a patient's yeah. ear. And, and that helps. Such a beautiful but, you know, gesture. 
but it's it's not it's the such same. It's a beautiful as, gesture to them. It's, of course, it's not the same doctor, but it's something they wouldn't have had otherwise. And it's something I want people to know about, even though it's hard for you to discuss it with them, um, because they have to know that the pain of keeping yourself home right now and keeping yourself away from loved ones now may spare you the fate of not being able to be with them in their final moments. That's how important this self-isolation is. And that's why I want people to hear the reality of how many are dying alone in the hospital. Absolutely. Well, doctor, I got to tell you, I am, I am not jealous of your recovery because you deserve it much more than anybody like me. You are doing the right thing with your life. You're helping other people. And boy, are you brave to go back to the same place that got you sick because I know you are acutely aware of how little you want to have this virus inside your body. Dr. Omar Mania, God bless. Please stay well and let us know if there's anything we can do to help your cause. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris, for everything you're doing and for spreading the message and telling people to stay home. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. We have to stay home. That's why it's a hashtag. All right. Now, um, to another big group of you out there, my Jewish brothers and sisters is a proud member of what we call the Mishpoka, the extended family. May you have a sweet Passover. In fact, may we all have a sweet Passover. The story of this holy day is more relevant to the secular reality of this entire country than perhaps it ever has been. The story of Passover is a literal passing over of the angel of death, right? The Jews were warned to mark their doors with blood to avoid having the firstborn taken. It was the worst of the plagues. This pandemic is plague-like, okay? It is casting a shadow over everyone's door, and there is no mark that it seems to respect. But there is a defense. It cannot overcome our greatest gift. That which brings us all closer to union with the divine. That which is our unique attribute among all animals that God made. That is our compassion. Why? Our compassion is what compels the pandemic to spare homes by keeping our distance from each other and therefore keeping each other safe. That's a practice of compassion. And it compels us, our compassion, to self-isolate, to do something that is good for somebody else, even if we don't love it for ourselves, even if it's hard, but because we know it's right. That's the practice of compassion. That is how we will create our own Passover, God willing. Jewish brothers and sisters ask themselves the four questions at Seder tonight. Zoom Seder. <laughs> Maybe they're having now, and that's the right way to do it. The answer why tonight is different from all others, well, we need to answer that uh, question collectively about where we all are right now. We've never been where we are. The fear, the challenge, the realities, the fragility, uh, understanding how precious so many of the things that we take for granted truly are. We should have a new set of questions. How do we make sure the rest of the country deals with this pandemic better than we have so far? Now, a big part of the answer to that one is going to mean how do we deal with the minority communities and the impoverished communities that are getting hard, hit harder, except to just acknowledge it? Everybody is now acknowledging it. That's good. But they're not doing anything about it. When will they do that? Um, where is the plan to blunt that effect? OK, how do we get better leadership on that level? Saying what the reality is is not enough. You must address the reality. OK, 
And how do we do that? How do we get better leadership without just reducing it to getting even or being in the gotcha game and attacking one side for doing what the other side does? How do we protect ourselves from the next wave so we don't repeat this nightmare? Those are the kinds of questions that we have to ask. It will be a hard Passover. It will be a hard Easter. But I hope the themes, the ideas, the rationales, that they get as rooted as much in our collective faith in each other as they do in our particular faith traditions. We need this dark spirit to pass over our homes. We need to see the purpose even in pandemic level pain. We need rebirth and renewal to get to a better place. My prayer is that on some level, the pandemic is purifying. And that while we are being denied the intimacy of being with our families during times that usually matter the most, that this isolation will make us remember what matters most, to value it more, value that intimacy more and better, and take us to our best days together to come. That is my prayer for us all. But at the end of the day, I only control what I do. And I promise this pandemic has changed so much about me and that I hope I will be better for it, and I pray the same for you. I love you, and thank you. Thank you for watching as well. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.